Morning. Morning. This is the hardest gig you follow the kids. <laughs> yes. So I want to lose them to start with, but um, it's the word of God, so that that's, that's what really matters. Well, let's read part of that story of uh, Christ's birth in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, from verse 8 through to 13. 8 through to 18, sorry. Do you want the highest one? Yeah, give us the highest one. Giving your, this one here is taped on, you see. Technical issue, don't worry. Very used to them. So not only do you not follow kids, you don't work with props. <laughs> right, voice goes from chapter 2, <coughs> from verse 8 through to 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amen. And thanks be to God for the gospel. Amen. Amen. So familiar words from a very familiar story, part of the nativity, part of God's coming to earth for our sake, for our salvation. And as always with very familiar stories in scripture, our favourite parts of scripture that we like to go to time and time again, the challenge is to find well, what's standing out at this reading, what's standing out for me today as I read familiar words. Well, as I read over this, what came to me was verses 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men, on whom his favour rests. That part was just, just left out. And the sense I got with this was that this was God making his declaration over the earth. The angel had come to give the shepherds directions where to find the Christ child. And then the whole heavenly host of angels appeared with the angel to make this declaration of God's intention over the earth. How God wanted things to be upon the earth, a declaration 
of intended stones for all time. This is how he was offering salvation to humanity. This was how he was going to work that salvation into the earth. This was his offer of peace and reconciliation. And more than that, this was God saying how he acts upon the earth, how things are done in his way. So the first thing that leaps out of the Nativity story and from that declaration is a reversal. A reversal of how the earth understands things are done. God in his choice of Mary and Joseph and in announcing the birth to those shepherds out in the fields was cutting across the usual understanding of things, how important announcements were made. If we go back for a moment to chapter 2 in the opening verses 1 through to 3, we find how the world worked in those days. Luke 2, 1. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. Like all human societies, in all times and places, there is a flow of power and authority, a way of how things work in the world. In his declaration to the shepherds that night, God was cutting through that understanding of how things are done. He revealed there is a higher authority, his sovereign power and his sovereign action in coming as the Christ child to bring salvation to the world. He was declaring that the glory belongs to him more than to any human ruler or human authority. As a hymn from the early 2000s declares, there is a higher throne. And sometimes the powers and the authorities of this world fail to recognize that, fail to act with justice and righteousness and work for truth and peace. So God chose not to reveal the good news to the religious leaders of the day. God chose not to reveal himself to the Roman authorities, the power brokers in that region. Instead he chose Mary and Joseph, herald the news to shepherds, summoned Gentile astrologers from far away. The kingdom of God which Jesus would eventually announce and demonstrate does not operate or work like any human system. And in the host of angels that night, God was sending an army to announce peace on earth and goodwill, favour from God to humanity. God was declaring that his way would be the way of weakness, vulnerability, humility. He chose the way of dirt, mess and danger for Jesus' birth and for Jesus' death. And this was how salvation was to come to the earth. In that way, in contrast to human ways of power, control, administration and armies. It's the fulfillment of Isaiah 9 which said the government would be on his shoulders referring ahead to Jesus coming. The government would be on his shoulders. And 
government, there shall be no end. That governance takes place through people of faith, such as you and I, until Jesus returns. We exist on the earth to bring God's order to the earth in the chaos and the injustices and the unright things of human systems and societies. So the flaw in this account of the nativity is from Caesar not to a palace or to the temple, but to a manger in small town Bethlehem. God's choice is one of receiving glory from the earth and returning grace, favour and peace to the earth. Blessing comes to all through their faith response to Jesus. It is declaring that if the upward relationship to God is right, then the outward relationship to each other becomes right. A reversal of how the world sees things. It is also a declaration of peace. True and lasting peace is to be found in the establishment of God's kingdom. It comes from reconciliation between God and humanity, and humanity responding by lives that are right with God. This peace is not something external, nor is it time dated, nor is it dependent on an army to maintain. It is the peace which comes from God to heal and redeem humanity. A peace in which God chosen close to himself. At the time of Jesus' birth, the Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire was well established throughout the known world and would endure for decades. However, it required not only an army to maintain it, was also the very real threat of that army being deployed and forced used to maintain that peace. Now we spoiler about if you saw the recent film Napoleon, and there's a, a few scenes in there you probably know better seen. In the film Napoleon it made clear that the Napoleonic system ensured that peace was served continental Europe. But that peace could only be maintained by treaties, alliances, strong armies and navies. In the exercise of power was an Napoleonic peace. But in the end, titles of the film are listed the number of dead in each major battle fought by Napoleon to maintain that peace in Europe. A silent comment on his regime. And as we know, God's way of peace is that of giving himself and his son Jesus a gift and hope to the world through the violence of the cross, through his death and resurrection. His peace will be established in his kingdom upon the earth. Shepherds. They were largely overlooked in that society. They were people to be avoided. The strictly religious shunned them because of their lifestyle among the sheep. Men that were sometimes not ritually clean. They could not perform all the ceremonial washings and cleansings. 
So they were excluded from worship. Is it not part of the wonder of the nativity that God chose to include the shepherds to hear the good news, to announce to them, first of all, of the birth of Christ? That God sent his angel and then the angels to those who were richly unclean, to who were unwashed, disregarded, outsiders, not included. And God went to include them, to bring them to the first public news about Jesus' birth. Shepherds were regarded as unreliable, not trustworthy. They were not allowed in the courtroom as witnesses. Such was their reputation and their sense of being unclean. So they were the outsiders in society. Despite having such a vital role in the economy and in the sacrificial system. So the good news from the angels that night is for all, but especially for those who feel themselves to be outsiders. Those who feel themselves disregarded as not fitting in, as not important. The outsiders in that world, the shepherds, were chosen to be first to hear the good news. And they responded immediately. First to the angelic news, and then in response to meeting the Christ in the manger. They did not hesitate. These outsiders suddenly found themselves included. They had the heart of the story. And so they responded immediately. Favour. A declaration of favour. The words in the original are men of God's good pleasure or men with whom God is well pleased. So think about that. Think about yourself in that context. Humanity at this point had done nothing to earn God's good pleasure or his favour. Nothing that could ever please God. Nothing to encourage God to come into this earth. Humanity were as much out of favour as the shepherds were in that society. Yet even in that condition, God declares his pleasure, his favour, his goodwill over humanity. Again, part of the amazing thing of the nativity story, not just good news for shepherds, but good news for humanity. Humanity did nothing, but God acted towards them. And that's the same for you and I. Before we came to faith and accepted Jesus as our Saviour, God had declared his favour over us. That's part of the wonder and the joy of the Christmas story. And perhaps something we often overlook. Even if you're not a believer, God is saying to you, I am for you. Even if you've never engaged with this story of Christ in the nativity or Christ on the cross, God is saying it's for you. You really do matter. 
I'm declaring my love and goodwill over you, even if you do not yet believe in me. Even if you think yourself unworthy or out of favour, I'm declaring favour over you. God is saying, I am for you. Even if you don't believe in me, I am moving to you. Would you receive me? Glory to God. There is great glory in this story. Great glory in this story. First comes in this declaration, glory to God in the highest, and then to humanity. Before there can be peace on earth, there has to be, first of all, glory to God. The emphasis on the nativity as we've been looking at is God taking the initiative and acting towards humanity or then invited to respond. That is the glory. It's an unusual, perhaps, understanding of glory. It's not a normal understanding of glory, of God acting towards and deserving outsiders. Earlier this week I was struck by a comment on a daily devotional that popped up into my inbox. It said that when God's people praise, things change. When God's people humble themselves, things change. When God's people take a posture or position of adoration, things change. That is true glory. The devotional added that God does not need to hear how great he is. He's complete in himself. He's perfect. But we need to hear of that glory. We need to step into a place of honour and humility before our King and our Creator. So this is a call to a lifestyle of praise and adoration, obedience and joy, a life of kindness and compassion. In these ways the kingdom comes. The systems of this world are challenged. God's order comes to chaos in human life and salvation becomes real. It is in these ways that we give glory to God. It is in these ways that we draw closer to Him and to each other and become a community that attracts others through our giving glory to God. Finally, joy. Joy is what begins and runs through this angelic encounter and the whole of the nativity story. This is the joy which comes from encountering Jesus Christ as our Saviour. Joy with engaging with the wonder of God choosing to redeem humanity in this way by coming one with us and for us and beginning as a vulnerable child. This joy is a gift from God. It's full of wonder and glory. It's for outsiders and those who regard themselves as not included. It's for those who have failed in life and feel they're a failure before God. It is still there for you. This joy tells of his great love of humanity, his care towards us, and the glory that comes from 
coming before him in adoration and in worship and in service. His joy is deep-rooted. It lasts and it satisfies. May that joy be yours today and onwards into the rest of your life. Amen. Thanks be to God for his work. <coughs> for ministry time later, if anyone feels himself to be an outsider or not included or not fitting in, then come, the team will pray for you. If you feel you're not worthy of God's choice of you, come forward. We'll pray for you. <laughs> if you're lacking joy and peace in your life, come forward. We'll pray for you. Whatever your need is this day, do not leave without encountering God in Christ and being prayed for. Amen. <laughs>